Hey, do me a favor, find someone to your left or your right, look across a few seats if you have to, tell someone that you are glad that they are here. And while you're doing that, it buys me some time to say welcome to those of you joining us online. Come on, regardless of what platform, what day of the week you're joining with us, thank you for making time to worship Jesus. We're gonna grow in our faith together today. Come on on Super Sunday. Who can, who's got victory on, on your mind today? Come on. Come on, every Sunday we've got victory, but today feels just like there's a little something special that's gonna happen. Come on, amen, amen, amen. Hey, if you got your Bible with you, turn to Matthew chapter 28. And this is a very exciting season in the life of our church as the Lord has really just been calling us to focus on two things as we go into through this uh, next calendar year, and that's devotion and discipleship. And the Lord just started to challenge me to be more intentional, to focus on how we as a church could become more intentional and even programmatic in a sense to the end result of making disciples, helping people begin to strategically and, 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 and intentionally take steps of faith to grow and mature and become deepened in their faith, to grow closer to God and their relationship with the Lord. And the Lord spoke it to me this way. He said, begin to focus on things that you could do together as a church with your brothers and sisters in Christ to grow in your faith between Sunday services. And here, listen, what we do together on Sunday morning, it matters, it's important. It's a part of the lifestyle of discipleship. It's a part of the lifestyle of Christ followers. And Hebrews 10, 25 makes it real clear. Don't forsake gathering together as some have grown accustomed to doing, but all the more as you see the end approaching, gather together as the people of God to strengthen one another, to encourage one another, to celebrate what Christ has done, to receive from, from God's word. But beyond Sundays and in between Sundays, there's a life of discipleship that God has called us to. And so behind the scenes, we've been writing daily devotionals. We're preparing to go into production. We're going to start sharing a daily devotional to encourage, to strengthen, to challenge you, to remind you about a promise from God's word. Every day, you're going to start having access to that through all of our social media platforms, through the Rev City app that's in the final stages of development. And I think it's going to be really awesome to see how God uses that ministry to just grow us and unify us and strengthen us, and our team's gonna step in and kind of model the way, but then I believe there'll be, some of you will be involved in saying, God gave me a word, or God reminded me of a promise, or I have a testimony, and we'll invite some of you to come and be a part of producing those daily devotionals to encourage, to equip, to strengthen this church, and not just this church, but anyone all around the world who will access uh, that material. And so the other thing that we're doing is we're writing our very own Revive to Life discipleship track, and for the next 12 weeks, starting this week, we're going going through an intentional uh, series and a discipleship track that's going to be meeting in small groups. Uh, we're gonna be providing this curriculum to, to all the church, so if you can't, for whatever reason, make a small group, you'll have the opportunity to stay connected with this and follow along in this track. Maybe you and your spouse can go through it, or you and a, and a loved one or a teenager or your family can gather around and go through this curriculum. And the idea is for every believer, whether you're new to Christ or whether you've been serving God for a long time, to just be deepened and strengthened in your knowledge of God, in your knowledge of who you are in Christ, what he's made possible for you, to understand how to have a relationship with God, how to relate to God through the Holy Spirit, how to read and study and apply the word of God and how to discover a life of, of identity and purpose in Christ. And so it's gonna be really good. It's gonna be really uh, exciting. And here's what I, I really believe, that much of the church, for many reasons, and we'll get into some of those reasons here in a little bit in this message, that we've kind of shrunk back or held back from really pursuing all that's possible through the cross of Jesus Christ. 
And, and again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm about to start preaching the point of that, that is a few points down into the message, but there's a lot of reasons why this has happened. But I believe that it's time for us as the church of Jesus Christ, as men and women of God, as the people of God, to begin to break out of these barriers, hindrances and limitations that have kind of put us in the box of, of cultural Christianity, that it's time for us to really grow in our faith, it's time for us to really grow closer to God, and it's time for every believer to really begin to be activated to a life of significance and purpose of knowing and serving God and serving others and reaching others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so uh, there's a video that I wanna show you that kind of frames the first week's topic of discipleship, kind of frames actually the whole discipleship series that we're launching into as a church. This is a, a scene from a movie, you might have seen it before, called Facing the Giants. And it's a powerful scene, it's a powerful reminder of what's possible when we begin to live by faith and not by sight. And it's a, it's a great reminder of what's possible for you as a believer, when we break free of previous experiences, when we break free of previous uh, maybe self-imposed expectations or limitations that have been placed upon us by ourselves, by others, by the spirit of religion, or by the spirit of the world, the culture of the day. And I really believe that if we're willing to, to allow God to do what you'll see in this video, coach us and challenge us and lead us, there's a life of greatness and purpose, there's a destiny, there's a calling that every believer has, that includes you, amen? So take a look at this video, hope it inspires you, and then I'll come back and we'll dig in to God's word today. So coach, how strong is Westview this year? A lot stronger than we are. You already written Friday night down as a loss, Brock? Well, not if I know we could beat him. Come here, Brock. You too, Jeremy. What, am I in trouble now? Not yet. I want to see you do the death crawl again, except I want to see your absolute best. <laughs> <laughs> what, you want me to go to the 30? I think you can go to the 50. The 50? I can go to the 50 if nobody's on my back. I think you can do it with Jeremy on your back. But even if you can, I want you to promise me you're gonna do your best. All right. Your best. Okay. You gonna give me your best? I'm gonna give you my best. All right, one more thing. I want you to do it blindfolded. Why? Because I don't want you giving up at a certain point when you can go further. Get down. Jeremy, get on his back. I get a good tight hold, Jeremy. All right, let's go, Brock. Keep your knees off the ground, just your hands and feet. There you go. A little bit left. A little bit left. There you go. Show me good effort. That way, Brock. You keep coming. There you go. It's a good start. A little bit left. A little bit left. There you go, Brock. Good strength. <laughs> That's it, Brock. That's it. Not the 20 yet? Forget the 20. You give me your best. You keep going. That's it. No, don't stop, Brock. You got more in you than that. Hey, done. Just rest in a second. You gotta keep moving. Let's keep moving. Let's go. Don't quit till you got nothing left. There you go. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving it. Your very best. Your very best. Your very best. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. Don't quit on me. Keep going. 
Keep driving it. Keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. That's it. Your very best. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving it. Don't quit till you got nothing left. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. I want everything you got. Come on, keep going. It hurts. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. He's heavy. I know I'm, he's heavy. I'm bad out of strength. Then you negotiate with your body to find more strength, but don't you give up on me, Brock. You keep going, you hear me? You keep going. You're doing good. You keep going. Do not quit on me. You keep going. It hurts. I know it hurts. You keep going. You keep going. It's all hard from here. 30 more steps. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Keep going. Burn. And let it burn. Hours are burning. It's all hard. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Come on. Keep going. You promised me your best. Your best. Don't stop. Keep going. Too hard. It's not too hard. You keep going. Come on, Brock. Give me more. Give me more. Keep going. 20 more steps. 20 more. Keep going, Brock. Give me your best. Look up, Brock. You're in the end zone. Brock, you are the most influential player on this team. If you walk around defeated, so will they. Oh, tell me you can't give me more than what I've been seeing. You just carried a 140-pound man across this whole field on your arms. Brock, I need you. God's gifted you with the ability of leadership. Don't waste it. Coach. Can I count on you? Yes. Coach. What is it, Jeremy? I want a 160. Yeah, it's a powerful illustration. Did you catch what Coach said? Forget the 20. He said, forget the 20. He said, forget what you've predetermined or what you've decided in advance that you are capable of. There's more that you are invited to. There's more that you are capable of. There's more that you are called to. And it's true about you and I and our lives of faith. And Jesus said this. He took every limitation off of you and I. 
He took every limitation off of us. And John 14, verse 12, this scripture really can almost baffle your religious mind. It's amazing when you think about what Jesus is really saying here. And it's amazing when you remember everything that he's already accomplished when he's saying this to his disciples. And watch what he says. He says, very truly, I tell you. And when Jesus says very truly, He's not saying, I'm not lying. He's saying, you gotta listen to this. He's saying, you need to understand there's something significant, something extra significant about this concept, about what I'm trying to unpack for you here today. He says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me, someone say whoever. That means you and me. That's, that's not just your, your elders and your deacons and your Sunday school teachers. He's saying every man, every woman, every young adult, every teenager who believes in me. That's who he's speaking about. And he says, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. And that sounds like a pretty powerful promise. But, but it stops short of what Jesus wanted to make sure we understood was possible in our lives of faith. Watch what he goes on to say. He says, and they, speaking of you and I, remember, whoever will believe, Whoever will believe, he says, they will do even greater things than these. Some would say greater things. Because I'm going to the Father. And the context of that was he said, I'm going to the Father. I'm gonna empower you with my spirit. I provided my example. I'm fulfilling the word of God. And he's saying, there will be no limitations on you. Philippians 4 verse 13 says, I can do all things. Someone say all things. How? Through Christ who strengthens me. Matthew 17, 20 says, truly I tell you. Once again, Jesus is saying, you gotta listen to this. You gotta catch this. You gotta get this in your spirit. And he said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed. So this is not just on the days where you're feeling the emotions of your faith, where there's goosebumps in a worship service, where you're, where you're extending patience to people and you're passing the test. He's saying, you, all you need is just a little bit of faith. And he says, you, say to, you can say to this great mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing, someone say nothing, will be impossible for you. It's clear at least to me, that God has called and empowered and invited and made it possible for every believer to live a life of greatness, to do great things uh, with God and for God, to make a difference in our community, to step beyond just believing in God, to begin to follow God and to begin to serve God. It's clear that God has done this, but for many reasons, many Christians often settle for less than the life of discipleship and difference-making for Christ. We settle, we stop short, we grow complacent, we grow lukewarm, we grow comfortable where we've arrived at with God. We've got just enough God in our life that we feel pretty good about making it to heaven. We feel pretty good when we look out at our culture at kind of how some other folks are living and decisions they're making. And so we grow complacent, we grow, we grow uh, comfortable, we begin to settle in our lives of faith. Here's some reasons why we do it. Previous experiences or disappointments. Maybe you've tried to pray for someone, uh, someone that was ill or sick. Maybe you've tried to evangelize. Maybe you tried to get connected to a church or a small group and it didn't go the way that you hoped or thought that it would. Low expectations from ourselves or others, things that have been spoken over you that you'll never mount to anything, that, that God couldn't use you. Maybe the lie that the enemy has introduced to you because of a real sin or a real mistake or a real misstep that you did, 
that you're disqualified from serving God and being used of God. And I'm here to tell you today that that's a lie from the enemy. If you open this book and you point at almost any page, any chapter, you're gonna point at a person who made some mistakes, who made some sins, who committed some sins, who had some failures, but they were willing to continue to pursue God and persevere and present those things to God. And God brought forgiveness and redemption and reconciliation and restoration. And he began to use and move even in the midst of their weakness. He began to write a testimony. He began to empower them to make a difference for his kingdom. And I'm just telling you, that's the kind of God that we serve. He's not looking for a bunch of perfect, perfected, uh, uh, polished Christians. He's looking for people who are real people, who are willing to turn to a real God who offers real forgiveness, real hope, real restoration for a real purpose that he's got for your future. Faulty, so low expectations from ourselves or others. Faulty perspectives or bad religious teachings. And there are entire denominations that have overemphasized the role of one man or one individual in the lives of believers. And listen, I'm grateful to be your pastor. I'm grateful for the others who have responded to the call to serve in pastoral roles and pastoral ministry. But according to the book of Ephesians, one of our highest responsibilities as pastors is not just to do the ministry, but to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That's you and your neighbor next to you. And so we, we've, gotta, we've gotta shift out of this idea that just a few folks are, are, are empowered or delegated to do ministry. It's the life that every believer is invited to and called to. Everyone who will believe will do these works and even greater things. Defeated or negative mindsets can hinder us or keep us from being able to move forward. Just like Brock Kelly in that video started out saying, can we, can we really beat Westview? Can we really beat Westview? And we just get this idea like, can God, really, can God really change things? Can my marriage really be saved? Can this community, can Lawrence, Kansas really come to Christ and even experience revival? And because we have a defeated mindset, we fail to even step into the battle. We hold back and shrink back. And I'm telling you, we've gotta begin to see this shift because greater is he who is in you and in me than he who is in the world. And with God, all things are possible. Someone ought to say amen. Perceived limitations, fear of man, this is a big one. What will people really think? What will it cost me amongst my peers? What will it cost me in my workplace? What will it cost me in the locker room if I go all in for Christ? And so these things can hold us back from really stepping into the life that we established is clearly the heart of God, that there's a life of greatness, there's a life of significance, there's a life of purpose, and it's time for us. And I believe that what our culture needs, what our community needs, what your campus needs, what your locker room needs, what the people who are far from God dealing with confusion need, they, they need the people of God to begin to stand up, to speak out, to, to dream big, to go beyond the 20 of our faith. And that's the call for every believer. Forget the 20, Brock. Forget the 20. For, forget what you, 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 you've heard or seen before. Forget the limitations that you felt were upon your life. Forget the 20. There's more that God has in store. And listen, whether you're fully aware of it or not, whether you're here today and you're new in Christ, whether you're here today and you're maybe even just seeking a relationship with God, is God real and does he love me? or whether you've served God for many years, maybe even decades, regardless of where you're at, regardless of the degree that you are aware of it, there is a God-sized dream. There's a God-given destiny. There's a life of significance, purpose, and promise for you.
And I say that with confidence. You might say, Pastor T, you don't know me and you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've been up against. And I'm just telling you, you're right. I don't, but God does. And here's what I know is that God has a way of calling people out of that life into a life of purpose and greatness. And I'm just telling you that you are created in the image of God. Jesus came to die for you. Jesus gave his life for you. Jesus wants to fill you with his spirit. Jesus wants you to be able to begin to stand firm on the promises of God that are found in his word. There's a life of destiny, significance, and purpose for you. But here's the thing that's also true. When God births a dream, delivers a destiny, or extends a promise... He almost always starts a process. And if you think about it, it's true. We talked earlier about how you could, could hardly point to a book or a page in this book without pointing at an imperfect, flawed person who had committed some sins and made some mistakes but turned to God. The other, another thing is true. You can hardly point at a, at a chapter or a page or a person in this book that didn't receive a promise from God or a dream from God and didn't have to endure a process before they experienced the promise or the, pro, or the purpose. And it's, it's just true in our lives, right? And, and you think about Moses, was called of God, had a dream to step out, be used of God, to help people be rescued from slavery, help people go to the promised land. And then he had to go around the mountain and he had to go through a season, the wilderness season, where God was refining him and putting character in him, preparing and shaping his heart so that when he was used of God to do great miracles, God would get the glory. David was anointed as a young boy. You remember he was anointed as a young boy. And then it was approximately 20 years later before he stepped into being a king anointed and knowing that God had a plan, God had a purpose, God had a destiny for his life, and then had to flee from it for his life, being pursued and chased down by the very man he was called to succeed. Did you know even Jesus had to go through the process of preparation? The Bible says that Jesus was crucified, was called to come and die on the cross from the foundation of time. But it took thousands of years before God said, right now, at the right time, now I'm sending you as, as, as my son, my one and only son, to go and bring home your brothers and sisters to me. And even in his earthly ministry, it was 30 years of preparation. And Jesus, you remember, actually went and began to preach and teach in the synagogue at age 12. You remember that? And he was ready to get going in his, in his life of purpose. And, I, and his mother, remember, his mother Mary came, and I believe she just grabbed him by the ear and said, not yet, Jesus, it's not your time. Drug him back home. And there was another 18 years of preparation until that same woman, Mary, stepped up and said, now's the time at the wedding of Canaan. And so there's a process. When God delivers a dream, when God gives a destiny, when God calls you to purpose, he starts a process. And the process in our lives is called discipleship. Discipleship. And salvation was my urgent need. You know, I needed forgiveness. Salvation is every person's urgent need. To be, to be forgiven, to be loved, to be washed clean. But the, the ultimate goal, that's our urgent need, but the ultimate goal of God is for us to grow as a disciple. For us to grow deeper, for us to draw closer for us to, 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 to grow nearer to Christ. And so Jesus is speaking in Matthew 28, where I asked you to turn earlier. And these are red letter words, and it says this, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make church attenders of all nations. Is that what he said? That's not what he said. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of 
the age. So he says, I'm calling you to go and make disciples. And the word that we translate disciple here is the Greek word mathetes. And it means student, pupil, or one who closely follows the teachings or example of another. And so going beyond the 20 is our answer to God's call to us to not just settle for church attendance or even church membership or even church leadership, but to say, God, what you've invited us to is to, is to grow close to you, to follow closely, to live a life that, that, that models what Christ has done and who Christ is to others in our lives. And this is not a religious obligation. This is an invitation. This is an exciting invitation. And another thing that causes many of us to hold back or shrink back is the fear of what we'll lose or the fear of what it will cost us. And I'm telling you that when we begin to answer this call, when we begin to allow God to call us past the 20, we begin to discover the fullness of life and that's what God wants for you. He's not trying to get something out of you, he's not trying to keep you from enjoying life. There's nothing in this world that you could ever experience that, that comes even close to comparing with what's possible and what you begin to experience when you begin to live in a close, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, John 10, verse 10, that, that Jesus said, the thief comes to kill, still destroy, but I have come that you may have life and life abundantly. So Jesus is inviting us to this life of discipleship, and this is connected to experiencing the abundant life of God. But the conflict that we face is, it's hard to follow Christ when we're consumed with the cares of this world. And so many people, they, they, they wanna know God, they wanna serve God, but then we begin to kind of bump up against the things that the Bible begins to call us out of, the things that he calls us to lay down the things that he calls us to move away from, the things that we just can't do any longer because if we're following Christ, Christ is not going that direction. And so the plan of salvation costs Jesus everything. And we need to understand that it's gonna cost us something. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live out a brand or a type of Christianity that costs me nothing. That's the definition of worthless. And Jesus said this to his disciples in Matthew chapter 16. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And here's the thing that I believe with all of my heart is that as we've watered down this message, the call to deny ourselves, the call to daily pick up our cross, the call to give our lives away, the call to serve God and serve others, as we've watered down this message in the effort to maybe be more seeker friendly, in the effort to accommodate maybe more people, in the effort to maybe grow or gather a larger crowd, as we've watered down the message to deny ourselves and daily take up our cross, we have not done anyone any favors. It has not resulted in a Christianity that transforms lives. And it has not, re, is not helped or been a blessing to marriages and families or to the hearts and minds of people who are, are desperately needing the life, the transformational power of the cross of Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you if this resonates with you, but I believe that once again, we need to restore that message to the pulpits of our churches. That Jesus came and gave everything on that cross. And now he does call us to joyfully and gladfully say, Man, God gave me everything. I'll gladly begin to lay some of these things down that are part of my previous life or a part of the culture of the world so that I can begin to follow Christ and live for him and make a difference in my life. There's a difference between believing in God and following Christ. There's a difference. 
There's a lot of people that believe in God. But the call is beyond just believing in God. The call is even beyond salvation. And and hear me on this. I'm, I'm so thankful, I'm so grateful for eternal salvation because eternity is a long time. But in many ways, eternity, salvation, the response that we make to the cross of Jesus Christ is really just the starting line of our life of faith. It, it's, it's, the, it's the starting end zone for Brock Kelly and the death crawl. It's the place where God says, now I've, I've eternally and securely established your eternal salvation and now I'm inviting you to partner with me. I'm inviting you to follow me. I'm inviting you to live on this side of eternity, a life that makes a difference for all of eternity. There's a difference between believing in God and following Christ. James 2, 19, this is a powerful concept, a powerful scripture. Catch this, it says, you say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Watch what he says, he says, good for you. Even the demons believe. The call is not just to believe, the call is to surrender and to begin to say, God, I, I, I see that you gave all at the cross of Calvary. Now I am willing to respond and give you my life, deny myself, pick up my cross, begin to follow you. God came for followers, not fans. There's a lot of people that are fans of eternity, fans of heaven, fans of forgiveness. And that's great, but God called us to be followers, not fans. Come on, on a day where many of us are rocking our Chiefs gear. Come on, I hope you don't mind. I traded in my Dallas Cowboys shirt for a Kansas City Chiefs shirt today. Come on, someone say amen. There are hope for those who are far and lost and depraved. Come on. And, but actually, the truth, truthfully, I'm really, I've become a diehard Kansas City Chiefs fan. And um, it's been easy to do so since we moved here eight years ago. Um, but I was just thinking about this, how many of my friends back in my home state of Texas who are Dallas Cowboys fans, they are, they're kind of jumping on. I'm getting messages from people that are pulling for the Kansas City Chiefs. I think maybe some of it is because of the proximity to Kansas City, some of the shared values maybe that we have regionally. And also maybe because of the, the fact that we're playing our hated NFC East rival, Philadelphia Eagles. I know hate is a strong word, probably shouldn't use it in church, but I can't think of a better word to describe how Cowboys fans feel about the Eagles. <laughs> but but here's, here's what I began to, to notice is that there's Cowboys fans that are jumping on the bandwagon with the Kansas City Chiefs. And regardless of what happens tonight in the game, and by the way, those fans won't feel the win or the loss as much as those who are fully invested, right? But regardless of the outcome tonight, those fans will go back to the toil and the misery and the desperation of rooting for the Dallas Cowboys again next season. (laughs) And it's funny, but here's the thing, it's true, it's how we do life and it's how many of us approach our faith. Christmas and Easter, we're there. But then we go back to living the ways of the world, the culture of the world. And I, almost, I just about said I'm not trying to step on anyone's toes, but I am trying to step on somebody's toes if it makes you uncomfortable with a life of casual, complacent Christianity. And if it calls you to a life of closely and nearly and dearly following Christ and discovering his life's purpose and significance for your life. God did not come, Jesus did not come and, and live a blameless life and go and die a hideous death on that cross and rise again to establish a fan base. He came to establish a following, those who would nearly and dearly and closely follow after him for all of their days, not just on the good days. The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter three, he says, I thought 
once that these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. He says, yes, everything, say everything. Everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And for his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. He says, I wanna know Christ, not just in a casual way, I wanna become one with him. And he says, I wanna follow Christ. There's a difference. There's a difference from, from serving God to knowing God. And I know we're called to serve. The Bible establishes that the pathway to greatness is serving God and serving others. But Jesus really unpacks something powerfully profound for us in John chapter 15, verse 15 and 16. When he says this, catch this, he says, I no longer call you servants. Your translation might say slaves. Because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. Since I've told you everything, your translation might say, since I've confided in you, everything that the Father has told me. He says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Isn't this powerful that Jesus wants to be your friend? And I just sense that some of you are hearing this, it's like, well, that might be true about some people, but that couldn't be true about me because of where I've been, what I've done, who I am because of the hardness of my heart. And I'm just telling you that Jesus wants to be your friend. He said, he's, he's flipping the script here. He's saying previously you had to kind of serve me through these religious rituals and regulations and stipulations. And he's saying now because of what I'm doing, coming to the cross, laying down my life, paying the price you couldn't pay, now you no longer have to approach me as such. You can approach me as a friend. And not just a friend, but the Bible uses the term koinonia and it's intimate fellowship. It's about as intimate as you could get. And he says, that's what I want. The call to discipleship is not a call just to get something from you or get something out of you. Contrary to popular religious belief, the call to discipleship is a call to intimately know and follow Christ. And out of that relationship, birthed out of that place of friendship with God, we begin to discover a life of purpose and significance and difference making. And I'm gonna ask the worship team to go ahead and come up and, and join me. And I, I, I'm gonna share something with you that I understand is a little bit semantical but there, sometimes there can be profound significance in just a, sh a subtle shift in the way we see something, right? So I, I believe this, again, that both of these statements I'm about to share are valid. It's not that they're off limits, but I believe there's a profound significance in this subtle shift. And many times we talk about doing something for God, right? But did you catch what he said in the Great Commission that we read in Matthew 28? He said, I will be with you always. And did you catch what it says when it says all things are possible? What's the pretext? With God, all things are possible. And, and again, it's, it's semantical, it's a little bit subtle, but there's, I believe there's profound significance in understanding that God did not call you to just do something for him. He's called you to live a life with him. He's with you in the battles. He's with you in the fire. He's with you in the storm. He's with you in the valley and he's with you on the mountaintops of your life. He said, I wanna do this in relationship. He says, religion is this idea of doing things for God so that you might be able to be accepted by God. And he says, the cross that I'm going to is the invitation to by grace and faith walk in a relationship with God. 
with God. There's a life he wants to build with you. There's a purpose, there's significance, there's a dream, there's a destiny that he wants you to discover in a relationship with him. Would you stand to your feet this morning? And as you stand, would you just begin to ask the Lord, Lord say, Lord, what are, you, what are you speaking to me? What are you showing me? What are you reminding me of? What are you revealing to me today? What are you doing in my heart? What are you calling me to in my life of faith? What, wherever it is that you've settled in your life of faith. Complacency or compromise. Grown comfortable with where you are in God. Forget the 20. And I, I think it was powerfully significant that Coach Taylor blindfolded Brock. Because you, we're, we're called to live by faith and not by sight. And I believe that what God wants to do through this message and through this series is break off every hindrance, every barrier, every preconceived notion, every limitation or false expectation that we or that others have placed on our lives of faith. Can you imagine what's possible for you on the other side of answering that call? Men of God, let me talk to you especially. There's a version of you in Christ that, you, that God has seen that you are yet to have seen in that mirror. There's a version of you that God has seen, that God has in his heart, that God's inviting you to be and become that you're yet to have seen. It's on the other side of answering this call. Don't limit what God can do through you. Don't limit what's possible on the other side of growing as a disciple and no longer being complacent with church attendance or casual Christianity. And just ask him, Lord, Lord what, what is it? Just, what is it that's hindering? Is it fear of man? Is it, is it, is it bad religious? What is it that's hindering you today? Just ask him to show you. Lord, is there anything that's hindering me? Fear of man's a big one. So many of us are fearful of stepping out and really getting real with God and going hard after God because what will it cost me or what will people think about me? And I wanna just reiterate something I shared earlier. There's nothing in this world that compares with knowing Christ and serving him and living for him. And so, Lord, I just thank you that you just break those things off of us today. And I pray, Lord, over this congregation, every man, every woman, every young adult, every teenager, God, I pray that we would be a church, Lord, that doesn't settle, that doesn't grow cold, that doesn't grow lukewarm, that doesn't grow complacent. And I pray, God, that today we would begin to just apprehend fresh faith and renewed grace, God, to begin to take the next steps. What's that look like for you in your life of faith? What's that look like for you? Maybe it's just getting back to having a daily devotion and a Bible study time with God. Maybe it's hitting your knees in prayer to once again, every day declare your dependency on God. Maybe it's once again beginning to just say, hey, let's begin to pray with, with, together as a, as a couple for our kids, for our family, for our finances, for our future. Maybe it's to, for you maybe recommitting to the body of Christ and to a local church where you can serve and, and, and know and be known and, and be grown and challenged and encouraged and strengthened in your faith. Maybe it's you be willing to take that card from that seat back in front of you and, and say, man, this is the time where I'm gonna connect with other men of God or women of God or other couples who are running the same direction as we desire to run. And man, what does that look like for you in this season to say yes to the call of discipleship? And so, Lord, we just thank you for, for that's an invitation. We don't have to do this. We get to. We, we don't have to cheer tonight for our favorite team. We get to. We don't have to do what you've called us to, Lord. We want to. 
Lord, because we understand, we recognize what you've done for us. What else can we do? Come on, deny ourselves, pick up our cross, begin to follow him. What's that look like in your life this week? And would you just receive the grace from God right now to begin to go and live it out, walk it out? Thank you, Lord, man. Can you imagine what's possible on the other side of this commitment? Can you imagine what's possible for this church as more and more and more of us begin to answer this call, grow close to God, begin to step out into a life of significance and purpose in Christ, following Christ, the life of discipleship. Come on, we're gonna turn this city upside down for Christ. We're gonna turn this culture upside down for Christ. One man, one home, one family, one school, one locker room, one workplace, one meeting at a time. Lord, we just thank you for that. And as you just stay in that, that posture of maybe receiving whatever God's doing, the way he's challenging you or healing you or preparing you for what it's gonna take for you to step into this, I wanna give people the opportunity to just stay in that posture, heads bowed, receiving from God. And, and right now, I wanna speak to people who today you're far from God. You have not entered into a relationship with God through Christ. And you're here today or you're joining us online and you're still just weighed down by the weight of sin and the guilt and shame and condemnation the enemy uses because of our sin to keep us far from God. Or maybe you're here today and you've drifted from God. Maybe you once knew him and loved him, maybe even followed him or served him. But today you've just drifted from him. You've maybe gotten caught up with the cares, preoccupied with the things of this world. And if that's you, you're in either one of those camps or anywhere in between, come on, right now is your moment. And if you've drifted from God, made some bad choices, today you're what the Bible describes as a prodigal son or daughter. And if you go back and you reread that parable, that prodigal son took one step back onto his father's property and that father came running towards that child, arms wide open, embraced him, welcomed him back home into relationship and fellowship with him. He said, call the party, kill the fatted cat, bring a ring and put it on his finger, put a royal robe upon his back. And if that's you today, you've drifted from God, that's the posture of the father towards you today. He's gonna meet you right here. We're gonna ask you to just take that one proverbial step and here's how we're gonna ask you to do it. We're not gonna make you come down to the front of the thing, but right now what I do wanna ask you to have the boldness to do is would you just lift your hand towards heaven and say, man, what you're describing, that's me. I'm weighed down with, with my guilt, shame, condemnation as a result of my sin. I need forgiveness today. I need that weight lifted off of me in a way I can never do in my own strength. Or raise your hand if you've drifted far from God and you know today that you're called to come back home back home. It's your homecoming day. And if you raised your hand in this room and online, you could lower it. Some precious people said yes to Jesus, came home to their father. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray this prayer with you. We do it every week. We want to show you there's a family, a church family. Come on, brothers and sisters in Christ. We're going to come alongside you. Do this thing with you. Encourage you, strengthen you. If you stumble, we'll help you. Get back up and keep moving forward as a disciple. And we pray it for a second reason every week because it just keeps us tethered to the reality that even as we're growing as disciples, we never graduate from grace. Everything God's doing in our life, come on, don't limit what he's doing in your life, what he's building in your life, what he's inviting you to as a disciple, as a Christ follower, greater things. But even as we do those things, it's all built on a platform of grace. So come on, some precious people came home to Christ today, came back to God. Let's pray this with them. Come on, pray boldly today. Say, Father, in Jesus' name. I recognize my need for a savior. And I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price I could never pay, to make a way that I might have a new life and a fresh start. And I give you my life, I give you my trust. And because of Jesus, come on, say this part loudly, say I will never be the same. And then come on, rejoice with all of heaven for the precious people who came home to Christ today.
Man, we love you. I love you. I'm praying for you. Stand strong this week. Come on, look for the ways to answer the call to grow as a disciple, whatever that looks like for you. Pressing into God's word, getting connected to life groups, going through that discipleship curriculum with your spouse or with your family. And just watch. Don't limit what God can do through you. Amen? Amen. Hey, let's worship God one more time together. And then we'll come and dismiss you, get you about your day.